This podcast is brought to you by sarahraven.com, which is home to everything you need for a truly beautiful and productive garden. You'll also find great and essential gardening kit and stylish, lovely things to have in your house to bring the outside indoors, all inspired by the garden and the house being tied together. There's also plenty of garden inspiration, how-to videos and specialist growing guides. So head over to sarahraven.com today to discover even more. Welcome to Grow Cookie to Range with just me today, Sarah Raven. I'm on my own because I wanted to do a whole episode on garden-grown drinks. And I'm not going to do this sort of whole non-alcohol liquor thing and I'm not even going to do flavoured vodkas etc I'm really instead going to concentrate on teas or teasans and cordials because I just find they are so delicious if you make your own and um, it's something that we do here two or three times a week and we make big batches of cordials and we serve herby or flower flavoured teas on all our open days and all our courses and so you know whether it's teas or cordials I just think using the garden to grow them is a really other fabulous string to one's bow. For teas we have a kind of general rule which is that we use these rather lovely glass tisaniers which you can see the leaves or the flowers through the glass teapot, basically. And it's got a little glass sieve inside it. So you put the leaves into that and then uh, the flavors will be imparted to the boiling water. And as a general rule, I mean, you know, I like general rules and obviously they're often broken. But as a general rule, we would use five leaves per teapot and steep them for five minutes before pouring so it's not like with a tea bag, put it in, pour the tea, it's leave it to steep for five minutes. And five leaves, five minutes is easy to remember. And then with cordials, what we do is basically use the recipe that I'm sure lots of you make with elderflower cordial in May into June. And so you're picking the flowers and putting them into water with perhaps some citrus if you want it to sort of cut through too much sweetness. And so, you know, you might slice some lemons or some oranges or whatever, and you bring them, you heat them up in the water and bring them up to the boil and then turn it off and leave them to steep overnight. And that will just give you the maximum enhanced flavor in your cordial. And then you will put them either through a jelly bag or sieve them or whatever, and then make a sugar syrup. And you add sugar to taste, but sugar obviously is a preservative. And we try and make them not too sweet. And then if you want to store them out of, you know, in a bottle, you have to use citric acid, which is a preservative. We tend actually not to do that so much anymore because we tend to make them in batches with the sugar syrup and then pour them into milk cartons, you know, the sort of plastic two litre milk cartons or one litre or whatever, obviously very carefully cleaned. And then we put them in the freezer. 
So we make them in big batches when we have a glut of, you know, elderflowers or whatever it is. So general rules, five by five for teasans and steeping them overnight to get the maximum flavor. So then I did an episode on edible flowers just the other day. And I thought I would follow that up with going through the year with teas or cordial flowered recipes. So literally from January to December, what are the favorite ones that we use here all the time? So for January, Pelagonium attar of roses is often still, certainly in leaf, it might not be flowering by January, but the leaves of Pelagonium attar of roses are absolutely delicious. And so for a, for a tisane, it's again the five by five, so five leaves in a teapot left to steep for five minutes. And I just chop them up coarsely or just tear them up and just chuck them into the glass sieve in the middle, pour over the boiling water and leave them. And it gives you that really unusual kind of Turkish delight flavor. You know how Turkish delight is sweet, but it's also often got rose flavor in it. Well, that's exactly what you get with Pelagonium attar of roses, tisane or, or tea. Obviously, it's not cut and come again, but you're going to be cutting back your Pelagoniums in March anyway. So you might as well use them for tea, I think, through January and February. And as a tender perennial, as long as you bring them inside onto a windowsill or into the greenhouse or into a cold frame or whatever and keep them out of the frost, they will still be in full leaf in January. So then in February, we use a plant here a lot for teas through the winter. But in February, it's particularly, well, it's not particularly lovely, but there aren't that many things around. And because it's evergreen, this plant, it's called Backhousia. And it's a, a little evergreen sort of shrubby plant and its English name is sweet verbena. And it apparently has more, a higher concentration of lemon oil in it than even lemon verbena. And that's why it's called sweet verbena. And even than, than lemon zest, or I think it perhaps it's equally intense as lemon zest. So for February, it's backhousia. We grow that as a houseplant. It's not hardy. So it goes out as soon as the frost finish in May, but it comes in again to the greenhouse or cold frame or on a sunny window ledge or in a sunny porch for the winter. And you can pick from that. Now, obviously it's not hugely prolific. So that's a bit of a delicacy, but it is something that you can harvest in February. March, we force mint. So we would bring mint into a cold frame, into the house in a, in a window, and we would have dug a clump up from the garden. The previous year, I think Moroccan mint is perhaps the best of all. It's that very spearminty, strong, fresh flavor, bright green leaves, very sort of indented by their veins. So you can sort of uh, tell it, and it's got quite a chiseled exterior to the leaf. And I just love it. It's very fresh. Be generous with Moroccan mint, I would say. So rather than five leaves, I would actually move to more like perhaps three stems, even up to five if you if you want really quite an intense flavored tea. So so be quite generous with it. And you know, it wherever you are in the Middle East, you know, if if you're well anywhere from Morocco to Turkey and Jordan and I don't know, wonderful places. It's the tea of choice, isn't it? But they always use lots and they do tend to use one of those classic spearmint flavors. April, 
I really love the clean flavor of sweet Sicily, which is quite aniseedy, and you can use any part of the plant. And of course, sweet Sicily, it's a wild plant, uh, very common actually in Yorkshire, in the north of, of Britain, in the north of England, in damp country. And the lovely thing about it is it's really early to emerge in the spring. And so you'll get rather sort of cow parsley looking leaves with sort of dappling of white over the green, quite downy, and it will come up to flower in April. And then it forms seed pods very quickly. And it's really quite a fun game walking around a garden on a forage. And you just give somebody one of the seed pods, particularly a child, and they taste really strongly of licorice all sorts. I mean, it is literally like homegrown licorice all sorts, but that steeped in a tea so, you know, a, a good little half palmful of seed pods or leaves or flowers uh, steeped for five minutes in a teapot will give you a really amazing licorice flavour, very fresh flavoured tea. So that's another real favourite for spring here. For May, I think it's got to be lemon balm. Very, very easy to grow from seed, very lemony in flavour. But the problem with lemon balm is it is quite invasive. It's a prolific self-seeder. So you're actually doing yourself a favor by picking it hard and not letting it come up to flower. And so I tend to allow a plant to get to a decent size or a few plants and then keep cutting, 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 cutting and drying the leaf for winter because I don't want it all over the garden. And it does, you know, it's like forget-me-nots. It does become quite invasive, but that's a way of containing it. Or you have it in a pot and again, just cut, 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 cut. Very, very lovely, fresh, lemony flavor. Very, very easy to grow. Very, very prolific. And if you cut it down, it'll be back up again within a week to 10 days. So really fantastic for that. For June, I would probably go for black currant leaf. And I've just been chatting to the most amazing Ukrainian chef, Olya Hercules. I met her at Charleston Literary Festival. And she taught me this tip, which is that a black currant leaf in a pickle jar will keep what's in it crunchy. So if you're making like a, a cucumber pickle or whatever, if you put one black currant leaf in it, it really amazing. I, I really, I've got to find out the science about that. But I really love the taste of black currant leaf and um, use that as a tea um, in June. But if you haven't got black currants because you've got a tiny garden, then roses would be the other alternative. So just steep some rose petals and um, they will go brown when uh, they hit the water. Not all of them do, but some do. But you will get the lovely rosy flavor. And then for July... I would move on to chamomile, very easy to grow from seed. Again, something that we grow really quite a lot of here to dry it for winter teas. And you just hang them upside down. So you just pick them when they're in full flower, hang them upside down and then harvest the flowers from there. But when they're fresh, they're delicious too. And that very typical soothing flavor of chamomile is exactly what you'll get. And yeah, we grow lots of that, both for picking fresh in July and into August. Well, actually in June too. And then when we have a good glut, we harvest them and hang them upside down. For August, I adore lemon basil. So, I mean, you can see I'm a bit of a lemon fiend. So a lot of these flavors are quite lemony, but lemon basil has got a much smaller leaf than the sweet Genovese basil, but this really intense lemony 
cross slash basil flavor. Can you think of anything more delicious? And that steeped as a tea is absolutely wonderful. There's a real classic called Mrs. Burns Lemon Basil. But actually, do you know what? Pretty much any lemon basil is really good. I personally much prefer that. There's also cinnamon basil that you can use in tea. I find that a little bit, I don't know, I'm not so keen on it. There's something slightly cat's pee about that to me. So for me, it's lemon basil is the one that I really want to go for. And then for September, I'm moving on to lemongrass. And we actually grow lemongrass here in pots. And you can eat the base of the leaf, of course, as lemongrass for Asian cooking, for in Thai cooking and a Thai green curry, etc. It's absolutely essential flavoring for that. But you can also chop it up the base and going into the green for a delicious tea. And it's got that amazing, slightly gingery slash lemon flavor and very easy to grow from seed. It's a half hardy annual or tender perennial. And I love it in tea. Really, really fresh, gingery, lemony flavor. And then in October... It's got to be lemon verbena. So lemon verbena is an absolute classic, classic, classic tea. It's called Verven in France. I'm sure you all know it. It's probably the, the most common garden tea, I guess. And the thing is about it is actually a deciduous shrub that needs a sheltered spot. So we have it on a south-facing wall here, and it's been completely hardy here for 20 years. And we do actually have one in the greenhouse too, just so that we can go on picking a bit longer and start picking earlier because it's under the shelter of the greenhouse, but it will drop its leaves imminently. So the one thing I would say by October is you want to really give it a bit of a prune and pick lots to eat fresh, but also bring it in, hang it with a rubber band in a brown paper bag and it will then dry and the leaves either just drop off into the bottom of the bag, or you can just pick them off and store them in a kilner jar and then use them right through the winter. And that's really for November and December to wrap this up. You can bring things in, you know, you've got pelagonium attar of roses uh, in a pot, perhaps you've got mint perhaps in a pot that could come in undercover. But of course, by then, by November and December, you're getting frost. So to be honest, we tend to have a mix of a few fresh things from the greenhouse. But if you don't have a greenhouse, it doesn't matter to hoots because you can have dried things for all your November and December teas. And I have a great friend who lives in America called Deborah Needleman. And she's actually become obsessed by making her own blend of garden teas, garden grown teas. And so in it, she has lemon balm dried and hung earlier in the season chamomile flower dried and hung earlier in the season, mint dried and hung earlier in the season, lemon verbena. And she then adds things like dried calendula petals so that you get and dried cornflower petals, which are edible. So you get them sort of when you, when you put the blend of tea into your teapot, you get the lovely shards of color too. So for November and December, I would say use what you have stored from the peak of the growing season. And so remember to dry things all the way through the year so you've got a lovely blend of delicious garden teas. Thanks so much for listening to Grow Cookie to Range. And I hope it was interesting hearing about the things that we use most commonly here for herby teas and sort of garden cordials. Next week, as we approach autumn... 
And it's a really great time to be thinking about the structure of the garden and also to plant shrubs and trees. I've invited Gary, our senior horticultural buyer, who is so incredibly knowledgeable about trends. And he's really passionate at the moment about shrubs. And so I thought he would be a really great person for between us to think of the real classics that I would be sad to not have in the garden here, but also some corking new ones. See you then. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes we talk about on this podcast by heading to the show notes or at sarahraven.com forward slash podcast.